Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Jeep Compass 2.0 Multijet to 140 HP four-wheel drive limited special edition. <laughs> Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Yes, I had, in case you hadn't guessed, the Jeep Compass Limited <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Alan loves it when I write the titles. This is Jeep's mid-sized SUV offering. And uh, I wanted to find out if the Compass has got what it takes in this really quite competitive market now. Very competitive market. Everyone is offering a mid-sized SUV, it seems. (laughs) They are. So this has got a two-litre four-cylinder turbo diesel engine, which gives quite a hefty 350 newton metres of the torques, 140 horsepowers, uh, six-speed manual gearbox, and the combined MPG officially via the WLTP test is 39.8. I managed a quite close 38.7 produces 159 CO2 grams per kilometre, which equates to 145 VED pounds after the first year. It's 800, after the first yeah, year. 855 for the first year, but that's usually swallowed up in the price of the car. So yeah, you get a little bit of a kicking on the first year, but then it's 145 quid, which, uh, as we've said many times, <laughs> just doesn't make sense, the whole... VED banding, but no, it's, but whatever. it's a complete mess, really. But that's what it is. So that's what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. This they start at thirty two thousand five hundred and fifty pounds on the road as standard. However, press car. So there's a couple of options. This one had vocal white pearlescent paint at seven hundred pounds color tax. V- vocal white. Vocal Did white. it sort of shout it shout as you parked it in the street? No, no. It's it it's for a white, I think because of the pearlescent, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't sort of like I'm an iPod white. It's it wasn't whiter than white. Yeah, it was more. It was edging towards a sort of cream. Oh, okay. But this also had a towing pack, which was six hundred and fifty quid, which is a thirteen amp three pin plug socket and the towing bar. <laughs> three pin plug. Yes. Right. So there's also a full-size spare wheel, which is £150. A dual-pane sunroof at only £1,200. So this in total made £2,700 worth of options, which meant the compass that I had came in at £35,250. Now, if you want to level mm-hmm. up at this on the old PCP side of things, I had a quick shifty at Jeep's own website for their own finance. And if you threw down a four grand deposit... Jeep would put 3500 in contribution at the moment of recording. If you do a 10,000 annual mileage, you get it around 400... That's very low. 10,000 mileage? That's average. It's it's allegedly average, yeah. You That was going to cost you four, between 460 and 470 pound a month over 36 months, which is quite chunky, I think. It is quite chunky, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So you may, uh, I would shop around, but that was Jeep's own website, just to give you an indication of where I think the higher end is probably going to be. Yeah, and that's the starting point, really, yeah. isn't it? It's, uh, you know, I'm sure that most people won't pay that list price and won't be getting the finance 
straight from that list. Perhaps. Yes, that's if you go via the website there and then. I would imagine if you hmm. walked through somebody's door and had a conversation, then things would change a bit. Yes. So what kind of... So you said midsize SUV about the Compass. So what do you see as midsize SUV and what do you see as the uh, the sort of equivalent? Okay, midsize SUV. If you think along the lines of the Hyundai Tucson, Kia Sportage, Discovery Sport, it's that sort of size... If you think mm-hmm. sort of family family hatchback, but obviously in SUV form, it's it, we're talking that that's the sort of yeah the larger end of that yeah that's the that's the footprint that we're we're looking mm-hmm. at. There's a nod in this in the styling of this because it's it's actually quite European styled. I think uh, it's quite conservative in its looks. You know, it's, Jeeps in the recent past have occasionally veered towards the more outlandish of looks shall we say yeah well my my in my mind this is a it's a grand cherokee that's been through the boil wash as opposed to being something that looks like a wrangler with bits stuck on yes that's that's closer if to you know it. what yeah, I mean. that is closer to it's it. it's far more grand cherokee than it is wrangler yeah absolutely i mean there's obviously there's they've still kept nods to jeep of old because there's some distinctive vertical grill slats so you get that sort of vibe that of how they like to do their grills seven of them i believe is the magic number i didn't count them but probably yes i would imagine that is i would guess that is yeah it's it's seven verticals is the jeep trademark okay yeah then that will definitely be there then like i said had this in the hilariously titled vocal white there are other color options, including bicolors, which means you get a black roof and then a choice of all the body colors. So you could pick a color such as hydro blue, which is metallic royal blue, bronze, metallic dark brown, uh, which doesn't, which actually suits it quite well. Uh, Mini now <laughs> grey, and that is how it's spelt on the site. So I don't know if it's it's, a, it's not a typo. It's not a though. typo. I know. I knew you were going to okay. look at me and say, "How have I?" done an andrew with the typing no i haven't <laughs> and that's light metallic gray mojave sand beige uh magnesia magnesio gray uh, gray dark metallic gray colorado red red <laughs> and so you can either go for the roof in black and those or just have that color awesome yeah so if you want yes if you if you fancy i'm never real really a fan of of, of the sort of bicolored set up really like that i I think it's very car specific uh yeah i don't think it added anything don't think it adds anything to the compass or takes anything away really Mm. if you if you choose to go one color this uh had 18 inch aluminium wheels as standard and that's what they're called aluminium wheels (laughs) that's your option okay But it does. Eighteen inch does allow for some sidewall, so uh, your ride is not compromised too much. Plus, as this does have a four wheel drive system, I would expect them to have a bit more tire wall on whatever they're specifying. Anyway, uh, ultimately, from that point of view, it's a Jeep, really, yes. isn't it? A bit like buying something with a Land Rover badge. You assume a certain amount of ability. Mm-hmm. Yes, you you do because they they. You know, they've been around since the end of the war, Second World War. So you would exp- and ruggedness and off roadedness is sort of part of their thing that they shout about. And this is 
trying to take a little bit of that but make it a more road orientated vehicle okay and, they, and along those lines they've they've tried to create a bit of a rugged looking suv but i think they've done it in such a way that it's not too aggressive and too polarizing like i said i think it's quite a european and conservative look and it's it's not bad for that but it doesn't sort of stand out massively either um which probably mm-hmm. suits most car buyers i think most i think so most car buyers are you know with the small c conservative about how they go for things so got to be careful about words like that this yeah, week yeah it's <laughs> the last three years is very bad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think overall it's 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 a nice look. I think it's it's not it's not offensive, but it's not you know it's just nice. You, you, you're not quite damning it with faint praise, but it's you, you're getting there. I think it's not offensive, but then it doesn't make you go, "Oh wow, look at that!" You know, it's it's quite yeah. neutral. Yeah. But we say that same kind of thing about some of the Korean brands, yeah. for example, and it's definitely not an insult. No, no. Despite me yanking his chain, it's it's not an insult, no, not really. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, right. Well, let's start with the inside where we normally do, so the boot. Uh, <laughs> the access is via an electronic opening boot. Now, I c- you can either trigger that via the, the fob, a button in the front, or a button uh, on the tailgate in the usual spot, which is just over the top of the license plate. Uh, you let it do its thing. It's an electric opening boot. It does what they do at the speed they do it. It's fine. It works. I know what is going to happen. You adjust to how quick or slow it works. The only thing I would say is the button to close it in the back is typically in the base of the door as you look up at it. However, in the compass, it's actually behind the rear arches now, uh, by sort of uh, about a third of the way up from the boot floor. Okay. So you, you'd already mentioned this to me, and I said, and I said, surely where it's mounted is actually a better place than the normal one for smaller people like Mrs. Windscreen, who might not want to necessarily have to jump up and jab at a button on the bottom of the, the screen. So, so... You know, I think that that's actually a better place to put it than than putting it uh, in the traditional place, which is a bit silly, really. The door doesn't open just because it's not where high. everyone else does it. I, I, it's not that high that many people will need to jump to press it. But right. I understand what it you're just, saying that if if everyone had gone that way, we would I wouldn't have been commenting about it. No, I think it's a mojo whinge. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It, it was a whinge for me because I could, I, I could not get my muscle memory within a week to remember that it was down there. Yeah, it's within a week. I think once you 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 own it, it stops being a a, a thing at all. Yeah, yeah, really, absolutely, absolutely. There is also, and I know everyone's on the edge of their seats here. There are there is a curry hook. In fact, there was two curry hooks, one either side, and they were cracking curry hooks. I mean, they were solid hooks stuck out slightly from the uh from the molding and the bag would hang on and would not come off no matter how enthusiastically you went round a roundabout or anything so they did their job very well built trail tough yes <laughs> on the passenger side of the car there is also a small tray behind the rear wheel arch that you could put a few small things that would then not fly around the flat uh, boot floor um if you don't have a rear net or something mm-hmm. 
But there's also a 12-volt charge point around there as well. So you are well catered for charging things if you so need to. Uh, in the back for the passengers, access is pretty easy, as you would expect. Doors open fine. Kids could open them, no problem, but they weren't flimsy light either, so it's they were a nice... A nice weight to them. Uh, there's two proper seats with a smaller one in the middle. And the way that Jeep have done this, it's it's flat in the middle as well. So it's not like someone's sitting on a, a raised bump or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly fine for kids. If there's three adults across the back, it might start getting a bit wearisome in there because there's a little, well, quite a bit of intrusion from a transmission tunnel. And also the back mm. of the storage bin for the front and the armrest projects into the rear space a bit where they've got air vents and charging points. Uh-huh. So you would whoever's sitting in the middle has to has to have their feet either side of this transmission tunnel and stuff. So okay. uh, but realistically it's fine. But if you're going to do Land's End to John O'Groats, you may want to consider swapping seats every now and again <laughs> to share. <laughs> Everyone's sitting on leather uh, leather seats, whether you're in the front or the back. Uh, in the front, you get vented and heated. Didn't try the vented that much because it was very wet, cold, <laughs> and horrible <laughs> when we had it. So uh, I pressed the button and went, yes, that's vented. Now let's have the heated back. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I found out, thanks to the chief heated seat tester, that they got nice and warm quite quickly. So uh, that, that that is a tick in the old heated seat performance. Mm-hmm. Charts. Box. <laughs> Blowing egg. Right, so as a driver, what do you see? You've got the central binnacle in front of you. You've got the rev counter on the left. You've got the speedo on the right. Nice, easy to see. Quite uh, the, the font's very clear. It, you know, at a glance, you know what's going on. In between, as everyone does these days, there is a digital display. You can adjust that to, say, uh, a bunch of different things like your average real-time miles per gallon, your tyre pressures, oil temp, the digital speed reading as well, that sort of stuff. Yeah, all the sort of stuff you would expect from a cent- from that sort of info that you can adjust via the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, buttons on the steering wheel, again, and then it's one of those generally, though you set it and you leave it, and you're not usually flicking mm-hmm. through these things, but you can do it from the steering wheel, so... You know, you aren't taking your eyes far from the road or anything like that for distraction. Steering wheel, it was relatively smallish, and we're not talking Peugeot small, but it... it, it w- Nothing's Peugeot small. <laughs> no. But it was actually the right size for the cabin. That's going to sound daft. You said it's small. That does sound daft. You're right. You beat me to it. <laughs> it's small, but then you say it's the right size. Yeah, it, it, just on first look, you just go, oh, that's quite tiny. But then when you're sitting there, it, it's it's just right. Uh, you know, it's chunky enough. The size is not too big, not too small. It, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's actually, I'm remarking on it because it does look a bit small. And then you drive it and you go, actually, that's right. That is just right. So, hmm. Congratulations on the steering wheel person, I, whoever that was. <laughs> Again, other buttons on there, so you can do phone calls, all that sort of malarkey. You've got your cruise control, speed limiter, that sort of stuff on the buttons. Again, as you would expect from a modern car these days. So mm-hmm. uh, it's all that sort of thing. If we if we move across, there is the obligatory touchscreen in the uh, middle of the dashboard. This is an 8.4 touchscreen 
they've got the air vents either side of it. So it's it's actually quite nicely molded into the dashboard. So it's not like an iPad plonked on top effect. It's it's actually molded into the dashboard. There is a large on-off volume knob. And mm-hmm. and I know this matters to a lot of people, including Alan. The outside of the knob moves while the center bit doesn't. So the volume symbol always stays vertical, no matter what is happening. As is right and proper. <laughs> and anyone who thinks I'm weird for me for asking about curry hooks, <laughs> it's all right. Both of us are weird. <laughs> yeah, but this is normal. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know. Abnormally normal. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. So we've got the... It's how the, world, it's how the universe should be. <laughs> In Alan's mind. So the volume's on the left. You've got some controls for entering uh, menus on the touchscreen on the right-hand side. Uh, It's a a mirrored controllable knob. This is all just below the screen. Uh, And in between them is a small panel of buttons so you can mute, uh, switch the screen off, hazard warnings, parking parking steering on and off, and the proximity warning on and off, that sort of stuff. That's all quite easy to get to and see without again you having to take your eyes from the road for long or you know to to understand where the buttons are and what you want to use them for again you're hardly going to be using those buttons so it is you you press it once type thing and you're done or you're not actually moving and you press it so yeah uh, right below that is another panel of buttons and this time with a knob in the middle <laughs> it's all right there's more <laughs> And this is all about the heat and ventilation. So, again, because there's knobs and buttons, press it once or twice and it's done. But it's things like the the heated screens, setting the temperature, that sort of thing, you know, internal circulation of the air. Similar that we would expect these buttons to be doing what they do and where they are. They are exactly where you expect them to be. So that's fine. Okay, so then below the heating... And all the rest of it, uh, the USB auxiliary and a 12-volt charging port on the left-hand side. On the right is the drive selector for the four-wheel drive system, uh, which gives you choices of terrains or leave it in auto. I left it in auto. Didn't didn't test the four-wheel drive system really anyway, so it doesn't matter. But again, it's close to hand for the driver, easy to get hold of, easy to use. Then... Just below that, we get to we finally get to a, something else, a gear knob this time, <laughs> and then below that, oh hooray! Below that uh, is the electronic handbrake switch, but it's got your typical hill hold anyway. So electronic handbrake doesn't matter for the people who sort of worry about these things. Then there's a couple of cup holders, and then there's the storage bin at the back, and we have done the full transmission tunnel from top to bottom. I know Alan loves it when we do that. Also inside, there is that double panel sunroof that was the 1,200 of your pounds. Uh, I Even though it's 1,200 quid, I would probably plump for that because the interior, unless you spec the, the cream white interior, is black on black mm. with extra black and occasional black except for bits of orange stitching now and again on some of the leather elements. <laughs> so it just lightens the whole cabin because the, the tinted uh, rear windows are very dark on the tint as well. Mm-hmm. So that would just add to a... When the, when the not the sunroof, but the sun cover is closed, 
it sunshade does make yeah. it feel very oppressive and dark in there particularly again it was autumn in the summer it would obviously you know the, the sunshine would help that but it it was dark so that stayed open all the time so i probably go i'll have to swallow a few extra pounds on the monthly payments just to have that wow i honestly thought you were about to ridicule that i think the price is ridiculous but i would feel it would have to be paid okay i would moan about having to pay it but yeah i think 1200 quid no. i think 1200 quid for a couple of sunroofs a couple of bits of glass in the roof is a bit harsh ooh i think you probably just belittled automotive engineers who have to fit sunroofs just so Possibly. Hmm. That they can then explain to me why it is so difficult and costly then. And then maybe I could understand okay. and then forgive them. Forgive companies. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I've gone through everything. This is the point in which we're supposed to criticize the interior in some way, apart from where the button for the for the boot was positioned. But that right. that's merely a user error. Rather than anything else. The, the world is crying you a river on I know, this one. I know, I know. But I don't really have any criticisms for the interior at all. There are some hard plastics, but they're in the places you would expect, and they're not in the places you wouldn't expect them. The rest of the materials seem perfectly fine for where they were and what they were supposed to be doing. It's it's quite a conservative interior. It's Again, I'm using that, with, that word again. Uh, again, bad week for that. But it's all decently put together. It, it wasn't super exciting, but it it just it was what I would expect from an interior, and it did it well. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know this is. <laughs> I, I, I knew this was going to happen when I was talking about it because I was going and going. Well, it, it's just doing what its job is. It's not. It's not flash and exciting like the Peugeot interior is. Is it one of those times when something is so competent that whenever you start to describe it, it sounds pretty yeah, dull? that's it. That's the problem. It was, it was completely competent. And you wouldn't notice, if it wasn't for the fact that we discuss these things, you'd, you wouldn't be mentioning it. No. It's, it's unremarkable, no. <laughs> no. but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it, it didn't annoy me in any way, shape or form. Therefore, I guess it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right, I'm going to try and move away from yeah. this now. Tell us about the Nürburgring lap times. Oh, wow. Well, it absolutely hammered them. No, it didn't. It is a mid-sized SUV. Ah, oh, dear. As we feel we have to uh, put in a legal statement here, anyone expecting exciting sports car performance from a mid-sized family SUV, go look for another vehicle because that's not what they're about this it was comfortable and composed on sweeping a roads it was perfectly at home on the motorways and dual carriageways at motorway and dual carriageway speeds you didn't try and hurtle it in to find apexes on b roads and stuff like that because it that's not what it's about it it just you you go into chauffeur mode and everyone's in hap everyone's happy including the car the car was perfectly happy with everything I asked it to do at the speeds I asked it to do it. I mean, it was just, hmm. I felt no need to throw it into corners and therefore I wasn't upsetting any of the balance or the suspension or the chassis because it's a, it's a four wheel drive SUV for crying out loud. You know, it's a, mm. Yeah. <sighs> with an off-roady bias yes. sort of off. Yeah. 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 
So the, so the visibility when you're driving, the visibility is pretty good out of it. You can you know where all the corners are, and I, I know that sounds daft. Well, it's pretty square, isn't yeah. it? So that always helps. If a vehicle's the closer a vehicle is to being a box or one box on top of another, the easier it is to tell where the corners are and to position it. Yeah, absolutely. Because whilst that may sound daft, there are plenty of vehicles we've both been in where you sort of go, hmm, is that the end? Is that not the end? I'm waiting for a sensor to go off, please. <laughs> yeah. But this did have backups of, of front and rear sensors, had a rear camera as well. But... I found I was pretty close without that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, decent to see out of... You're in a raised seating position anyway, so you can see further down the road and round things. It, it was... It was easy to drive, really. I think is what I'm saying. And, and, and this seems to... Again, for back to the comment you just said before, it did everything competently, interior-wise. So this... It was very competent with the driving, but didn't excite in any way not that i was expecting it to and it didn't disappoint either so uh <laughs> this this has got two liter diesel which is quite a quite a large size for that sort of market now and i was a bit surprised only 39 miles per gallon i have to say but i don't know whether that was because it is more biased towards the four-wheel driver and it is lugging a four-wheel drive system anyway well, there's that. It was relatively low powered as well. I mean, I, I could flick back up, but it was 140 yeah. brake from two liters. It's not 350 newton torques. Yeah, but still, 140 brake from two liters in a diesel these days is is not great mm. as a sort of kind of specific power output. Yeah, but driving it in in all the conditions I did, I I got pretty close to it. So. I get the feeling you could probably get it over 40 miles per gallon if you really wanted to, if you really tried desperately, if that was important to you. So, but for mm -hmm. everyday use, I think, you know, that was, that's a pretty decent figure. The ride in this, I, I mentioned it before with the, the, the sidewalls, the ride's nicely comfortable. You know, you, you just, it soaked up bumps. It didn't seem to get upset, but then I wasn't trying to drive it in a way to upset it. And, it, just every, it was relaxing and pleasant to drive not exciting but just pleasant yeah. and it made when you're when you're doing trips that you have to do like you have to go on the motorway to get somewhere it made that as easy as possible so mm -hmm. from that point of view I, that's a big that's a big win you sound like you were in what what i normally reference as chauffeur mode yeah yeah definitely was it was for the for the entire Just time I like, was in well, it. Well, let's. This is a car about being smooth, not necessarily about being fast. Mm -hmm. Yep, that that is exactly the way that I tried to drive it, and that suited the car very well. I I, I sort of mentioned before, but I didn't test a four wheel drive system, as in let's put it in mud and sand and find mud and sand. Let's off road. Yes, I didn't do that. Oh. The, the worst I needed was some some muddy rural roads, some wet grassy parking areas, and just grim autumnal road conditions in Britain. <laughs> but I didn't have to worry about any of those. The car 
was perfectly fine in all those conditions, even with the tyres, because it didn't have special autumnal or weather condition tyres or anything. They were just summer tyres, so... Did did you get mud on the roof at any point? Not quite on the roof. Well, quite high up, but not on the roof. You obviously did something. (laughs) It's a start. At least you didn't immediately say no. You had to think about it. And and that's what matters with that question. (laughs) Right, tech-wise. So in the infotainment system, it has what you would expect these days, which is Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. There was also uh, the Beats Audio 9 speaker system, which was really, really good. Excellent quality on the on the speakers, uh, which which dealt with not just music but spoken word, um, radio really well. It was excellent. You weren't subjecting your children to us again, were you? No, I was actually listening to some sport, so they had to listen to me listen to sport. <laughs> oh right, okay. That well, that's better than listening to us talk about cards. I no, I, I only do that on the school runs. <laughs> Uh, so it's got uh, obviously bluetooth connectivity the dab radio and a sat nav which that worked perfectly fine was easy to use for everyone who interfered with it within the car passenger contingent that's quite high praise yes i know you're being yeah that is high praise yeah there was there was no muttering of how does this work where am I supposed to finally just it was exactly where everyone expected the menu and things to to go so mm-hmm. which is good safety wise there are a few bits of tech so there's like active speed limiting auto headlights although I just switch the headlights on I never use auto headlights I don't like that uh, it's got auto dimming rear view mirror uh, cruise control, keyless entry, lane departure warning, park sense, which is their front and rear parking uh, assistance. It's got bleepers. Yes, but also in that is the parallel and perpendicular park and exit assist, which I didn't try. Did you try? No. Oh, come on. No, I no it's really good. I don't want to have to... Well, I know the point is to test it and go, look, this worked, but I'm never confident this is going to work. But you've got to have your foot over the brake anyway, so you just put your foot down and it stops. Yeah. It's not... I know it's more me than anything else. I realise it's me. It's definitely you. (laughs) Definitely you. (laughs) So it's also uh, got blind spot monitoring and rear cross path detection in there as well. Good, sensible things. The the rear view camera was really decent uh, from a quality point of view. Obvious problems that all these rear-mounted, exterior-mounted cameras have. You've got to clean them every time you go up to the car, but that's just a habit thing. <laughs> you just you just do that as a matter of course. None have bettered the Veracross for that, which lived behind its own little door. The Mercedes Vito. That's, ah, yeah, you're right. The Vito does, and some of the Volkswagens as well when they swing out from under the badge. Either flipping out from the which badge. is the way forward. Yes, it really is. is. All manufacturers, please do that because it just makes such a difference. Uh, particularly if you've got to the end of a mucky drive at night after a mucky in drive. Then, you know, this yeah. time of year, you'd have to stop, clean the camera, and then use it. And then, I, and I can hear some people furiously leaping to Twitter to go, "You don't need a camera to reverse your vehicle. That's ridiculous." It just makes life easier. And when he's saying that, you know it's true. (laughs) 
you know, when there is a clues defense of technology, any technology, then there must be something in that technology that makes life much better. Yes. Because you never know who could be hacking into that rear view camera. Well, depends what system of the connected car it's connected yeah. to. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, right. So, I mean, overall, it seemed you were not excited by this because you're not, you're not, you're not raving at its awesomeness. But on the other hand, everything just flipping worked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't have any real expectations before getting in the car. And it managed to make me not not think about any of the particular <laughs> bits it did. It just did them right. It, as as you, I think the word you used before competence was is is absolutely spot on. I've tried several of these mid sized SUVs out over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and Jeep's got its history of four by four, which is sort of part of their thing that they're bringing to the market, and. It's it's just I have done for fifty or no, but years, I mean in yeah. this sector with with this mm-hmm. with the compass that's that's their differential I think really from it. It's completely inoffensive. It does everything really solidly. It doesn't outshine the competition apart from say the four by four bit. But then again, it's not left trailing in the competition's wake either. Mm-hmm. So I think if you lived in the countryside or did. Uh, activities where you t- you went slightly off road, or you may need four by four. I think you have to put it on your list to consider. If you're more mucky than most, <laughs> okay, cool, awesome. Well, that's been the Jeep Compass Two Liter Multi Jet Two uh, Limited. So don't forget that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, if people want to ask a little bit more and find out just how much you love those curry hooks. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Always happy to talk about curry hooks. Uh, if you wish to do that, you can find me on Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, I'll be there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and understand you know, how rare it is for me to compliment any technology, what's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> Uh, Twitter again, I'm afraid, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B R E D L E Y. We'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>